Welcome to Know Thy Trauma, a podcast by Wellspring Solutions Counseling Services. We are a group of therapists located in a small town in eastern Pennsylvania dedicated to helping people heal the loss and trauma that is part of the human experience. The content in today's episode can be potentially triggering, so please use discretion as you listen. If you find yourself triggered, we encourage you to pause it, engage in something that soothes you, and return when you're ready. And as always, we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi! (laughs) Welcome to Know Thy Trauma, and my name is Sharon Wegman. And I'm Kate Byler. And our third person is not here. She's on vacation. Mm -hmm. But today we're going to talk about we need to know thy triggers in understanding our own trauma. And the reason for that being is um, as we recognize our triggers and how we're acting, it usually points back to our trauma Mm -hmm. and or we can kind of unravel whatever mess it was created it's like a ball of string that was all over the place as we unravel it we can then regroup and re re put it back together so the basic definition is something that affects your emotional state often significantly causing extreme overwhelm or distress and that trigger affects your ability to remain present like you might suddenly go into yourself Mm um whatever we'll talk about that in a minute or what it looks like but it's it affects your ability to remain in the present and it might bring up very specific thought patterns that influence your behavior and a simple way to explain that is somebody who has experienced a very traumatic incident like we are all aware of how people who have gone to war and and witnessed atrocities Mm -hmm have these flashback moments Mm -hmm. where suddenly somebody is saying or doing something or they hear a sound Mm -hmm. and immediately yeah kind of back in time or almost back in the setting yeah they their body literally they it it sounds similar Mm -hmm. that gunfire Mm -hmm. sound it sounds like the car backfiring so it feels the same but it's different, and the whole emotional reaction happens right. again. Right, so the whole circumstance, how you're handling it, it's changed. Because you're interacting with it as if you're, like, reliving that trauma. Exactly. Um, this is just, like, a funny side note. I still watch Grey's Anatomy after I don't even know how many seasons <laughs> they're on. But it is a guilty pleasure. And they actually just did one where um, the... Someone who used to be in the army, I feel like it's Dr. Hunt, there was a very similar um, war-esque type of protocol kind of needing to be happening in the hospital. So he was in charge, and there were other, for some reason, other soldiers present getting a checkup, and and he just kind of went back, and, like, he started hyperventilating, Mm -hmm. and he, like, stood in time and started ordering other doctors around as if they were other sergeants. And I just thought it was just, like, a very blatant but, like, true of how our our body just gets kind of sucked into it. So it just took one little thing for him to be reminded of those traumas. Yeah, and it can be very specific sounds. It can just be more like, I'm going into something new that makes me feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when I was in vulnerable state, I was something bad happened to me. So it's super scary to do new. So it would right. be as complex as 
Dr. Hunt. Well, I will now remember that forever. (laughs) Or just somebody who has to do something new and has experienced trauma in their past. Yeah, so small or big. And so we're going to talk about next, how do you know you're having a trigger response to something? So I would start out with taking a moment and taking toll of what you're actually feeling in that moment. Now, sometimes you, I will be honest, I, I believe it is hard to name the feeling sometimes in the moment of the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That that hap- that can happen over time when you practice it more and you come across the same feeling again and again. You'll know what it feels like. But if you don't, like, there's no shame in just then being like, wow, that moment made me react pretty largely. But what was I feeling in that moment? So just so the feelings that come with a trigger would be shame, abandonment, powerlessness, rejection, feeling invalidated, feeling violated, all those things that are attacked to, attached to something that's been done to us. And most of the time we have a bodily reaction and that can look like our body doing a lot of things like sweating, our stomach hurting, lightheadedness, achiness. It can be on that scale. It can also be on the scale where we don't notice our body at all mm. and we're just kind of there. So just take toll. What is my body doing when I'm getting triggered? I know I know for myself, it almost feels like the world is like passing around me and then I notice, oh, I'm in real time like this, you know, so my body doesn't so much feel pain as much as just kind of goes offline for a little. So those are reactions you want to kind of stay in touch with and there's no shame in whichever you experience it. The point is being able to pinpoint it. Yeah, and we want to pinpoint it because if we can recognize what our body is doing, we can control the end result. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to get very triggered and I would carry that in my jaw. Mm -hmm. So I get more headaches. And so I wasn't aware of when I was triggered, I would clench my jaw and then I would have a migraine. And really what I had to do is start being aware of my body when Mm -hmm. I was aware of the trigger so that I stopped having a lot of headaches. Right. But So be patient. It takes, it's a lot of work. Like, that's the thing. This stuff isn't just easy. It's hard, which is why a lot of us are, I think, just now figuring out, oh, we need to do, we start need to start doing these things. But it's a process. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how you feel during or after the trigger. Also, if you're really tired, I think, is one way okay. to look at it, is, like, do I automatically now feel exhausted where I want to numb out and, like, watch TV, or do I want to just take a nap? Um, these are signs that just feel like something happened and our, and our brain is like, this is too much, right? Like, I can't take all of what's being stirred up, and so I need to just zone out for a little, you know? Again, try not to shame these habits when you pinpoint them because if you shame them first, it's going to be hard to get anywhere. I had to tell a client recently to teach her to honor the ways her body responds to triggers because first, even if it's in a poor way, we have to honor that our body is trying to protect us from something even if it doesn't need protection in that moment. And so we don't want to like despise our body trying to do a good job. Yeah. 
Um, and it can also even, I was thinking about it, you were talking about how your body immediately wanted to shut down. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking sometimes when I'm extremely tired, (laughs) Mm -hmm. my, that body feeling of being extreme tired can feel like stress. Yeah. Can feel like, um, anxiety. And so sometimes I can find myself being aware of my body. Mm Mm-hmm tiredness causing a trigger yeah so it it goes both ways it's Mm -hmm. kind of like up and down it goes both ways yeah and I think another yeah another example that we've discussed a a lot in here and I think we've probably all done this as we start obsessing over like our interactions with that person or um how they treated us or a decision we have to make or did make, we start just going and cycling. And that's maybe triggering our anxiety or maybe triggering something else. Again, this is the work you guys have to do for yourself of right. what's happening here. And and so really, obsession would be a, a big sign that you've been triggered mm-hmm. and you need to go backwards and figure out where did that trigger come from. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So let's talk about what are examples of triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? How do we see people respond to triggers? Um, we were I w- we were just kind of like brainstorming. Um, sometimes I find myself listening, like watching myself in the real, but I'm a- actually not hearing anything that person is saying. Mm-hmm. I'm literally. Out observing myself engage with another person, but not actually hearing anything they're saying. Right. So that's when I'm triggered. Um, yeah, I think people respond respond to triggers with really big emotional reactions, and more so immediately. I think is a good way to look at bam. it. Bam. Yeah. All of a sudden, I know for me it can be like a flip of the switch, and I have to be like, "Whoa, I wasn't feeling like this before." <laughs> what's going on you know or sometimes it can it can just look like a lot of tears Mm -hmm. that come out of nowhere a a wave of sadness or anger yeah absolutely and so we have to sometimes track back and say what does this feel like Mm -hmm. and how did this you know come about maybe um you were the youngest child and nobody ever listened to you so you feel that was a big trigger in your childhood it would make you angry it would make you upset mm-hmm. you would feel invalidated so then if you put it into present day and you're at work and someone invalidates something you've said mm-hmm. or does an invalidation by an action that could trigger that childhood feeling and literally almost become a little childish yeah. in how we act. Because yeah. literally it's our little person inside who's carrying that trauma who acts out. Right. Or, yeah, I'm just thinking of another story. Of like maybe you've had really smothering, overprotective parents. And then your, your spouse asks, asks you, hey, like I would appreciate it if you didn't do X, Y, or Z, that is a reasonable request, and all of a sudden you just bite back because you're feeling smothered and contained, right? You feel small again, but actually it's a very normal expectation to have in your marriage, and you just kind of overreact, right? So a lot of triggers are that overreaction sometimes too. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to clarify, trigger when you're mad, it's not, there are things you should be angry about, I should say, and doesn't mean we're triggered. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that kind of reaction, unless you've been 
is uh, you can be angry about something in society Mm -hmm. right and if you've experienced that trauma it will trigger you but then if you haven't experienced that you should still have a righteous anger right right so just wanted to clarify that (laughs) or if someone is like actually being mean to you you're allowed to be sad and angry it's not just a trigger you need to work out So what it general so our four that we generally say it looks like we call, I call it the quad four it's just my thing uh, which is fight which mm-hmm. we very easy to remember that's like immediately fight response um, flight which kind of looks like someone just sh- um, just needing to get out of mm-hmm. there I need to get out of here I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on sure. And freeze, I freeze is unresponsive almost, or maybe they go into a bit of a numbing state. Yeah. Um, they don't know what to say. They don't mm-hmm. know how to engage because their brain is so triggered with their childhood trauma mm-hmm. that they literally freeze. Right. Or I don't know. This this just came to me. Maybe constantly saying the phrase "I don't know," "I don't know," mm-hmm. like just kind of not willing to go any further. And then there's fawn. Which I think we'd all agree that this is probably the most common. I, I think that people, how people protect themselves in very um, subtle ways. So this looks like fawning to like, you're just going to do what the person wants or do what is asked to avoid conflict, uh, to avoid upsetting them. Uh, do you have anything that can explain that a little better? Oh, just people, please. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do something to win back mm-hmm. your approval right. so I don't feel triggered. Right. I'm going to do an action. Mm-hmm. I'm going to whatever that right. action is. So so I don't feel anxiety. I'm going to make sure you're okay or get your approval. We often call the holidays the most wonderful time of the year, but are they really? Trying to organize events with different sides of the family, hosting and preparing meals, juggling kids, there can be a lot of expectations to meet and potential feelings to get hurt. So many people feel the stress build up as the holidays get closer. If that feels all too familiar, you're in luck. We've created something special just for you. Make this holiday season the most relaxing and peaceful yet with our newest workshop, Navigating the Holidays with Boundaries. Sharon, Kate, and Kayla guide you through all there is to know about boundaries with resources to help you tailor what you learned to your specific situation. This self-led PDF workshop includes a 30-minute video all about boundaries like how to know where you need them and examples of different scenarios, and it comes with resources like a boundary decision tree, journal prompts, worksheets to help you identify your boundaries and create your own personal plan, and more. My personal favorite is the Boundary Phrases menu with examples for nearly every scenario. Visit our website, wellspringssolutions.com, to purchase your digital copy. Right, and and so we often see that in, like, maybe we have an abusive relationship, and when Mm -hmm. there's a narcissist whose response is fight, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there's the codependent caretaker of that narcissist whose response is going to be more... Um, fawning. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do I please this? How do I stop you from being this upset? Mm-hmm. Because then I got if I tamp it down, you're so they might do a lot of fawning all right. the time because they're constantly trying to avert being mm-hmm. triggered. Yeah, 
definitely. So now that we've thrown all this information at you, which always in the beginning looks and sounds scary, <laughs> how can, what can we do? <laughs> um, and it sounds scary when I think for, at least for some of my clients, I think at first it's scary because we're actually putting terms to it. And I think those terms make it feel real. And that's the scary part. Right. But most of us go through these things on a daily basis And so I think we have to remember that this is a collective thing that we all have to, we all struggle with, but putting the actual terms to it makes it real. But if it's not real, we can't heal. So once it's real, we can actually heal. So what we, (laughs) just a poet, I know. Um, So what are some things you can do in these moments? Because the nice thing, hopeful thing about triggers is I, we really do believe you can create new neural pathways in your brain to, to get better at responding. So a lot of it is actually stuff you need to do to stay in your body, which I think doing this work more, I think this has been really hard because I think culturally we don't really focus on this that much. No. Especially in the world of psychology. It's very more new and like more fast moving now to do this. But it's not always all about what's up here. Yeah. Don't you think that's more of a Western culture problem compared to Eastern? Like Mm -hmm. they're very aware of their breathing. Yeah. And they're okay to sit where we're all about achieving, achieving, moving, moving, moving. Well, if I figure this information out, like maybe I, I, that means I'm better. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So a lot of this is what we call body work, or I'll use the word somatic some, and that just means anything to do with your body. So one of that looks like is grounding. And I'm sure this is a word, this is kind of a hot topic word right now, I should say. It's like over social media and things like that. But what it does is it keeps you in the present moment. So... I say to my clients, try a bunch of different ways where you are able to ground. I I always tell them, I know it works for me, is I will focus, if I'm feeling triggered or frustrated or out of my body for a minute, I'll focus on like what my shoe feels like on my foot, right? And so what what this is doing is it's causing my brain to actually stay in the present moment by focusing on what something is actually happening. I am actually wearing a shoe. I'm going to talk about what it feels like on my foot. I don't have to talk about it out loud. I can if I want. I'm now aware of it. (laughs) Right. But like now I'm like, okay, I'm in my body. This is happening. And my brain's not over here from the trigger. So that can also like doing um, math problems. Having some, sometimes my, my kiddos, I'll have parents give them math problems when they're feeling like angry and just like, what's five plus five? It's 10. And it keeps them in the moment. Um, sometimes my, go ahead. I was thinking mine is always the five senses. Mm, mm-hmm. What That's is the one. colors that I see? How does the air smell? Mm-hmm. Um, how, uh, how, what's the, my pants feel like? Right. What am I touching? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like five senses, five senses Yeah. <laughs> as my way of grounding. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And, I mean, even for me, I have trouble thinking of doing this in the moment. Like, it's so much practice to, like, keep, like, reminding ourselves these are the things I need to do. So, again, just, like, I don't know. I think it's helpful sometimes to share stuff with a friend so you guys can be like, yeah, I tried this the other day and it helped. And you're able to discuss it and have someone do it with you. 
So th those are some things of grounding. Um, you can look up a bunch of grounding stuff online. There's lists and lists of things to try. Because I always tell someone what works for me might not work for right. you. Exactly. So you just got to keep seeing how your brain connects with grounding. Other somatic exercises. Some, I will say, are a little obvious, but we take them for granted because we don't do them with intentionality. So mm -hmm. I know for you, Sharon, one of your biggest ones is being able to walk every morning and getting outside. And Yeah, because I just feel like even when I am really, if I am for some reason triggered, mm -hmm. if I can take a good walk, I get all my body senses moving in that and literally I can probably get out of the trigger really fast. Sure, sure. So like you're body is not staying still like within the trigger it's being present by doing right. something my whole body is moving mm -hmm. i can't stay in one space mm -hmm. i can't move and be anxious at the exact same moment right and so walking getting outside or really any type of exercise that works for you um breathing this one is always hard for me to talk to my clients because i have to start off like i know like i will literally have clients tell me like are you going to tell me to just breathe? And I'm like, like, yes, I am actually. But, you know, it's not using this condescending tone that you might have heard before. Like, just take a breath. Like, everyone knows how to breathe. But there's our specific counts we use that are mm -hmm. sending um, a message from our heart to our brain that we're allowed to be calm in this moment. Yes. So a phrase that I've been trying to use in my sessions is we cannot talk our talk our brains into a state of calm. We have to bring our bodies into a state of calm. Yes, that's that's really good. I think sometimes even in the Christian culture, I believe that we have tended to push that in the past. Mm -hmm. You can pray yourself out of that right. state. You can mm -hmm. you can um, read the Bible and get yourself out of that state, but your body sometimes needs us that body has to change mm -hmm. in order to get to that calm state right and with neuroscience 80 percent of our brain understanding if we're calm our messages sent from our body the rest of our messages if we're calm the 20 percent are sent from our brain so that means in order for our brain to register calmness our bodies have to be calm first yes so I don't think we're very good at remembering that because it's just easier to talk. I know for most people it's easier to talk. Yeah. Some people like to emotionally dump, right? Yes. They believe that that's going to get it out of their body. But in fact, it's, it's going to ramp them up more. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you do these somatic exercises, you're creating what's called a biofeedback, meaning like... I, if I'm taking X amount of deep breaths, it's sending positive biofeedback to my brain, and then my brain sending more positive biofeedback to my body to calm down. So you're creating a healthy cycle, whereas a negative type of biofeedback would be like, okay, like Kate's heart is racing, and she's just going to keep thinking about what she's obsessing over. My heart is racing, which is telling my brain I'm in danger, which is causing my heart to race more. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is trying to stop that loop. And so that looks like walking, breath exercises, also um, just waking your body up. So that can look like dancing. That can look like small pats on your legs um, because your your bone and your senses are all engaged in this biofeedback right that we're in the moment mm. so 
I feel like we should probably just have a podcast on somatic things. Yeah, we will have a podcast just <laughs> on somatic things because I'm, I'm here sitting here tapping and I'm thinking about that. But um, so the two common ones that we talk about with breathing, I just want to give people ideas of what to look up mm-hmm. on YouTube mm. is maybe um, four, seven, eight. And I do five, two. Oh, I do. So funny. I do five, two, eight. Because five, two, eight, I do um, <laughs> on the count of five, mm. I'm breathing in. On the count of two, I'm holding in my breath. Mm-hmm. And then on the count of eight, I'm breathing out. Mm. And the idea is that as I do that three times in a row, it's stimulating that vagus nerve mm-hmm. to engage in calming right. my body down. Mm-hmm. And yours is a different Four, seven, count. Eight. So, same same idea. <laughs> Sometimes I can't hold my breath for. Yeah, when I tell that to my clients, I'm like, don't make it a long set. Don't be like one Mississippi because I'm like, please don't pass out on me. <laughs> right, exactly. But for people who can't even do the numbers because they're too triggered, yeah. I just say, you breathe in as slowly as you can, mm-hmm. and then you breathe out as slowly as you can. And each time trying to slow down your breath in, and each time trying to slow your breath out. Because sometimes the numbers get people triggered. Yes. One way I've learned, too, is, like, when you breathe out, pretend you're, like, breathing out through, like, a tiny coffee straw. So you're, like, doing it slowly with your lips, and it's coming out in a very specific way. Yes. Um, so that, and vu breathing would be another one. Okay, yeah, just Which I don't, kind of, yeah, yeah. Look, that, look that up. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all that to say, it's really important to understand what the trigger is in the past, so that you understand how to control it in the present, and you have to use body you have to control your body by doing very specific things. You can't mm-hmm. pray yourself out of it mm-hmm. very easily. You can't uh, talk yourself out of it with another person. But you can, if you do very specific things to control the body, bring yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you have safe people to talk about what when you realize you've had a trigger, that's also helpful too because you're actually expressing it and you're naming it. Absolutely. That definitely helps. It's good. All right. Thanks so much. See you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in more information, visit our website at wellspringssolutions.com, which is linked in our show notes, along with any resources used in today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us on social media and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Original music featured in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.